Thank you, Pastor Sarah, and thank you, Pastor Clint. Um, I'm really excited to be back here at Forward. I guess it's been a little over a year since the last time I came through. Is there anybody here that didn't hear me? You've never heard me preach before? It's your first time? Okay, yeah, there's a few of y'all. Well, you know, I'm, I'm honored and I'm blessed to be in ministry. Um, my husband passed away like seven years ago, and we were in ministry together. When we got married in 1984, we went straight into full-time ministry, so that's how long I've been traveling and preaching in ministry. Of course, I took some time off to raise five kids, but you know... <laughs> um, they're all grown adults now serving, loving God, and that's wonderful. But I've, I decided that I would continue doing, you know, what I was called to do. You know, I wasn't going to let life come to a standstill because, you know, Angela went on to be with Jesus. And so in my journey, um, we actually got a hold of this message before he departed. And so being connected with people like Clint and Sarah to me is just invaluable because, um, um, you know, we need to be we need to be encouraged by people who understand the message that we preach and who understand the new covenant of God's grace. So thank you, Clint, again for trusting me. He said, usually when I have guest speakers in, I like to be there. <laughs> but he said, I trust you. So praise God. Amen. Well, I'm uh, I'm going to be sharing this morning. Um, my message really is the message of the heart. And, you know, learning how to live from your heart, learning how to connect with God on a heart level is really what has changed my life drastically because I'm telling you, I was saved when I was eight years old and we were a church going family and we were in church every Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, every Sunday night and every Wednesday night and every revival that ever came through. I mean, so I was raised in church and along the way, I, I learned the scriptures. I mean, I started memorizing scripture at a very young age. And at eight, I came to the realization I needed Jesus as my personal savior. And so my journey has been a long one. And um, in, this, in this journey with God, I've realized that a lot of people miss out on the abundant life because they, they look at Christianity as a religion instead of a relationship. And what God is wanting is he's wanting to connect with each of us on an intimate level. And so this morning, I'm going to talk to you about persuading your heart of the truth. All right? Are we ready for this? Okay. You know, a lot of people will ask, and, and I've had this question asked me, why do, you, why do you think it's important to persuade your heart of the truth? I mean, you know, if I, if I read the Bible, you know, and I go to church and, you know, I say I believe God's word, isn't that enough? Well, let me ask you, is it enough? I mean, are you, do you see the manifestation of all of the promises of God in your life just because you say you believe the Bible? No, you don't, do you? So there, we, we aren't into works righteousness because we know there's nothing that you and I can do to become any more righteous once we're born again, right? But there is something about um, experiencing the benefits of our righteousness that varies from believer to believer. And so what I want to do is I want, I want to kind of point you to some things today that'll help you as a believer connect with God on a heart level so that the things that you see in his word become a reality in your life. It's not enough for me to just read by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed and live sick. Amen? It's not enough for me to read, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus and live in lack. I mean, to me, I want, I want those realities, those in Christ realities to become mine. I want, I want to embrace it. Is that where you're at today? 
Okay, if that's where your heart's at today, then this message is for you. The rest of you just sit tight. <laughs> okay. Here's, here's where I want to start with. I want to start with just laying a foundation to let you know that I do believe that your spirit is perfect. I believe that when you are born again, you are united with Christ and in your spirit, you are made one with him and that all of that he is becomes yours, okay? And that in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily and that you are complete in him. But that reality is God's reality from the moment you're born again. But whether or not it becomes your reality is whether or not you're able to embrace that truth and draw it unto yourself whether you're able to receive it. Because we, we've been told, I was told for many years, your spirit, soul, and body. You have a spirit, you know, or you are a spirit is how we are taught. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. But then I began to be exposed to the message of the heart. And there's over 900 references in the Bible to the heart. And the heart and the spirit are not one and the same because a, a believer's heart can be hardened. It can be stubborn. It can be, it can be broken. And so since my spirit is perfect, I know that my heart and spirit are not the same, but it's still a part of me. So where does this heart come into play. Well, I'm sure that, you know, your pastor has taught you a lot about the heart and, and he's probably already explained to you that in your heart, you know, you're, you're part spirit and you're part soul. And the, the spirit side of your heart is where God speaks to you and where God resides. And it's the perfect part of you. And it's the part of you that the Holy Spirit is always bringing, bringing you conviction of who you are in Christ Jesus. It's where God whispers to you those truths about who you are. But then your heart, and, and your heart being the place that you live from, the heart being the seed of your belief, your heart is being influenced by your soul. And your soul may or may not be renewed to the word of God. Your soul may or may not agree with what God has to say about you. So it's the soul area of our heart that we need to focus on when we come to this place of saying, why do I need to persuade my heart? When my spirit already knows who I am, why do I need to spend time persuading my heart? Because you live out of your heart. And whatever it is that you believe to be true about you today is the truth that you live from. If we all lived from a place of how God believed about us, we'd all walk in victory 24-7. We'd all walk in divine health, be extremely blessed, and, and live from the abundance of Christ. But how many of you know that's not always our reality? I, as a, as a minister of the gospel, lived from a very broken place after my husband went on to be with Jesus. I was trying to navigate in this uncharted territory of singleness. Having been, you know, married for 26 years, I had to find my, my pathway to life because I had spent 26 years being some man's helpmate. And I had a belief of my heart that the two of us had become one. And I'm no longer, you know, just one person. The, the both of us are one flesh. Well, what do you do when your half of your one flesh union goes to heaven? You know, if you don't have a belief of a heart that says I'm complete in Christ and I'm lacking nothing, you will function from a place of lack saying I'm a half of a person now. I'm a half looking for another half to make me whole. And what does that do? That draws unto you very dysfunctional relationships. You draw unto yourself some other, you know, person who's in a place of lack looking for somebody to fill a need in their life. And so then you end up in this place of dysfunction, functioning from a broken heart. So thank God that's not where I am today. 
Amen. Thank God for the transformation that's happened in my heart. But I had to do something to persuade my own heart of who I was in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? amen. Proverbs 4.20 says this. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. So how do we do this? He said, well, he goes on to say, their life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. How, how do I do this? How do I give attention to God's word? You know, when you, when you look that word up in the Hebrew, it's really interesting as you read down all the definitions. One of them says, it's like a dog that pricks up his ears. You know, when, when you read God's word, do you prick up your ears? Do you turn towards that sound? Are you looking to hear what's coming out next? Because that's what it means to give attention to God's word. It doesn't mean that I just get up in the morning and I read my devotional or I read my Bible, right? It means that when I do get up in the morning and I open up my devotional or I open up my Bible, I'm saying, God, I'm here to hear what you have to say to me. You've written things down in your word, and I know this is truth, but I need the truth for me today, right? I mean, you know, when you get married, your husband at the altar may say, I take you to be my wife and I'll cherish you forever. But how many of you women want to hear from your husband between the day he says I do and the day you die that he loves you? You want to hear that, don't you? You want to hear words spoken to you to affirm his love for you. Well, how can we think that God does not want to continue to affirm to us his love for us? He loves us with an everlasting love, but he wants us to experience his love, not just have an intellectual knowledge and say, I know God loves me. Oh, yes, God loves the world. No, 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 no. Do you know God loves you? Do you know God cares about everything that's going on in your life, every little thing? You say, well, this is just, you know, it's not really a big deal. No, if it, if it matters to you, it matters to him. You know, we don't just take these big problems to him. We take everything to him. You know, there are, there are things that God wants to, to dialogue with you about because he knows it's on your heart. Amen. So he says, don't, don't let them depart from your eyes. Don't, don't let God's word be lost from view. And it's not just keeping it in, in before your eyes when your Bible's open, but when you close the Bible, Keep meditating on those words that God's spoken to your heart. When you go about your day, don't let go of that word God spoke to you. I can't tell you how many times God has, God has been my encourager. You know, I had, I had a great husband. He was a wonderful man. He loved me, was passionate about, you know, my ministry. I mean, there were so many times he would, he would defer to me. If, when I would go on the road with him, he'd say, you preach tonight, you know, and just give me the pulpit. He loved it. I mean, it was like, that was, that, that was his joy to see me, you know, in ministry. And, and I, I love that. And after services, he would say, gosh, that was so good. You know, I don't have that now. I don't have that man by my side. I don't have anybody I go home to or, or that calls me on the phone, but you get, guess what? God has become my encourager. Jesus will tell me, Hey, that was good preaching today. <laughs> 
You know, I, I've learned to lean into him. I've learned to draw from his strength. I've learned to, to, to allow him to wrap his arms around me and comfort me when I need comfort. And that's come because I, I let God's word become a part of me. He said, keep them in the midst of your heart. You know, that word midst is in the middle of, and it actually means between two things. And I really believe our heart is between our soul and spirit. It's between, and, and in that between state, that's the, that's the deciding factor, you know? Um, when, when we go to God's word and we are consulting God about something, we're asking God for his wisdom, you know, it is the word of God that ends up being the referee, <laughs> you know, because many times we're, we're taking in information, billions of bits of information all the time, and through your five physical senses, you're drawing on things that you hear, that you see, that you taste, that you smell, that you touch. All those, all those five physical senses are constantly bringing in information. And we need to train our hearts to reject anything that is not consistent or congruent with our new creation, creation reality. We need to learn to say, that doesn't belong to me. You're not a part of me. I don't want you. I don't need you. And I'm sending you away. Amen? Amen. So we keep our heart with all diligence. And that word diligence actually means, you know, we're keeping it with all diligence. Keeping is like, um, it's, it's a word that was used many times when you talk about dressing a vineyard. So you're, you're watching over something that's growing. You know, your heart is growing. Your heart is growing. We used to say all the time, you know, oh, I'm going to go feed my spirit. Your spirit doesn't need anything. You don't need to feed your spirit, but you do need to feed your soul. And you need to persuade your heart so that your heart is in harmony with God's heart. In Mark chapter 4, um, it was after the parable of the sower in verse 23. This is something that Jesus said, and I'm going to read it to you in the Amplified. He said, if any man has ears to hear, let him hear. Amplified says, let him be listening and let him perceive and comprehend. So if any man has ears to hear, let him be listening and let him perceive and comprehend. You know, when you're listening, you're actively paying attention to what somebody has to say. You're not just in the room and, you know, gathering the words or whatever. You're leaning in. God wants us to lean into him. He wants us to listen with an intention to hear. We have all these physical senses, but we also have spiritual senses, okay? And we need to learn to exercise our spiritual ears to hear. We need to exercise our spiritual eyes to see. We need to open up our heart to the Spirit of God and let him speak into us the things that we need to hear so that we can live the abundant life. Because how many of you know God wants you to live the abundant life? He wants you to have the very best in life. He wants you to live in health. He wants you to live in prosperity. He wants you to live in peace with the people around you. Amen? He wants us to, to have, you know, hearts that are in harmony with his. And God's heart is always a heart of love. <laughs> love for us and love for other people around us. Can you say amen? In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the common English Bible says this. God's word is living. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates to the point that it separates the soul from the spirit and the joints from the marrow. And God's word is able to judge the heart's thoughts and intentions. Now, you may not know it, and you may not have actually thought about this, but your heart has thoughts. 
and your thoughts of the heart are really about what you believe about yourself. Now, the thoughts of your heart can be totally consistent with how God thinks about you. But the thoughts of your heart could also be um, destructive. The thoughts of your heart could be, you could see yourself less than God sees you. You could think of yourself as somebody who is not worthy of something that God wants to give you. And so if you have a heart belief that's not consistent with how God sees you, even though God has already blessed you with everything that you will ever need, he's already given unto you all things pertaining to life and godliness, you will not be able to lay hold of those things and bring them to yourself because you in your heart won't believe that they belong to you. So we persuade our hearts of the truth so that we can receive from God. Amen? So what are your heart's intentions? You know, that, that word in the Greek actually is noose, and it means the capacity for spiritual truth. And that really is what grace is. Grace, grace is the capacity that God gives you. It's the ability to receive, you know. Um, God has already, you know, provided for all of us everything that we will need individually to live the abundant life. But tapping into God's grace, being able to receive of his unmerited favor. I did nothing to, to deserve this, but I'm getting it anyway, okay? That kind of um, walk with God comes when our hearts have been brought into harmony with God and our, our minds have been renewed to the word of God. And again, these things aren't automatic for the believer. I can tell you it's true because I lived many years below the standard of God's best for me, living in a, in a mindset, in a heart belief of lack, living and believing that, you know, I got the short end of the stick. I mean, you know, I didn't plan to live life alone. It's not fair. How many of you have ever had anything happen to you and you think it's not fair? Okay. Well, life's not fair. Okay. But... God wants us to know that there's nothing that happens to us that he did not see that it was going to happen to us. And in his love for us, he has already provided for us a way to live the abundant life, even if, even if we have to live it alone for a while when we didn't want to. Okay, and if we if we go through uh, financial struggles, you know, he's always saying, "I'm your provider." But in the midst of this feeling of lack, we may not know how to draw from him as provider, and yet he's never changed. God never changes. We we limit God by our own heart beliefs. We think, you know, well, I could never do this or I could never do that. Listen, I've stepped out in, into doing things that I never thought I would do as a single woman, okay? Um, about a year ago, um, I started thinking about my product table and things that I had, and I was really um, sharing a lot with people about meditating on your in Christ realities because I really believe that we need to keep these things before us. We need to continually remind ourselves of who we are in Christ. And so I had written, you know, a note and posted it on Facebook about these, you know, in Christ realities. I started printing out these things and taking them to my seminars and putting them in my notebooks when I taught on the heart and, and just telling people, keep this before your eyes. And, and so one day, I don't know, I was walking through Hobby Lobby or Mardell or somewhere and I saw the some signs and I started thinking about wood signs and how popular they were and and I thought you know how many times do I walk through and I think oh I like that but 
I wish it was in this translation, or I wish I had a sign that said this or that and the other. So I started, you know, making signs for myself to remind myself of my in Christ realities. And, you know, um, so that kind of like spurred this idea, like maybe I could do this for other people. Maybe other people would like this. And so from that place was born, you know, the signs that I do, you know, that I carry with me now. And when I, when I think about, you know, my life and how I, where I thought I might be today, you know, 10 years ago, if you asked me where I would be 10 years, you know, ahead, I would never have guessed I would be here today doing what I do. You know, a single woman driving to Lowe's, picking up eight foot, you know, long boards, sticking them in her Genesis and, you know, driving home and getting her chop saw and cutting up all these wood pieces and staining them and painting them and, you know, stenciling and all the things that I do to, to do this. But here's the thing. I love what I do. Like, it's enjoyment to me. And God knew that, and so that is part of his provision. So even though I didn't see it, God saw it ahead, and he laid things on my heart. But guess what? I had to step out. Like, I had to, I had to hit that purchase button on Amazon the day I was looking at that silhouette cameo and deciding, is this going to be a good idea or not? Because here I am investing a couple hundred dollars in something that I don't even know how it's going to go. But here's the thing. In my heart, I felt it was okay. Like, I felt in my heart, this is going to be a good thing. Go ahead. So with that faith and trust in God, I stepped out. And then God just started blessing. How many times do we come to this place of decision? We've got a crossroads. We've got something. I could go in this direction, and it might do this. Or I could go in this direction, and it might do that. And we're afraid to go anywhere. So we just stand there. No, just move forward. If you make a mistake, God will tell you. <laughs> you'll, you'll figure it out soon enough. I've made a few in my life. Okay. And, and when I realize it's a mistake, I just say, you know what? I repent. I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to agree with what God says about me. And I'm not going to try to get this done myself. I'm not going to try to go here or do this because I think I have to make it happen. I'm going God's way. And the next thing I know, I'm back right on the road of blessing and prosperity and provision. Can you say amen? So what about God's word? Why is it so important for us to to keep our eyes on God's word because it's the key to unlocking what's really in your heart. Now, let me explain this. Your heart has thoughts, okay? There are thoughts and intents of your heart. And like I said earlier, your heart is really the seed of your belief. It's what you believe to be true about you. Now, I can believe in you, and I can think you can do anything that you set your mind to, you know? I can believe that, you know, the word of God that says, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I could look at you and say, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But it's not whether or not I believe in you. It's not even a matter of whether God believes in you. Do you believe in you? See, do you believe you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you? You know, a lot of people say, you know, I believe God's word, um, but... When it comes to manifesting the promises in their own lives, they're, they're not really experiencing abundant life. And so my desire is to just show you, if I could just show you one thing this morning to help you persuade your heart of the truth, that's what I want to do. I want to I leave here today with you saying, man, I heard something that's really going to help me practically apply God's word to my life. Are you guys ready for this today? Okay, I've given you a little bit of foundation about where we're going. Now, here's, here's where the rubber meets the road. 
How many of you would say right now that you believe God's word is true? Okay, all right, you believe the word of God is true. You're not struggling with whether or not, you know, you believe the Bible, so you believe it's true. How many of you have been taught or have heard that all of the promises of God in Christ Jesus belong to you and that they are yes and amen? Okay, so you, you, you basically got that truth. All right, how many of you are living in the manifestation of every promise of God in your life? Nobody, okay? So what's going on in our hearts if we say, I believe God's word is true, I believe all the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. In other words, you're saying that promises that God put in his word are not just for somebody else. If I'm in Christ, they're for me. That's what that scripture really means. If Jesus has fulfilled all the requirements needed to live the blessed life, how come if I'm in Christ, I'm not living the blessed life? We ask, those, we ask those questions. Now, we may not tell everybody we're asking those questions. We may not, you know, uh, let on to the fact that we're saying the right thing, but we know in our hearts we're not believing the right thing. So how do I go from just saying the word is true to believing it on a heart level so that I draw it to myself? You want to know? I need a little more than that. Do you want to know? Okay, okay. Can you, can you take a test with me today? Okay. <clears throat> this is a little unorthodox. This isn't usually what we do in church, but I, I want you to do this. Okay, I'm going to read you a scripture. You said you believe the word of God is true, and you said that you believe that the promises of God that are in Christ belong to you because you're in him. Is that right? So we've established that. Okay, I'm reading a scripture here out of Deuteronomy 8.18, and I'm going to read it in the New King James Version. And it says this. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Now, do you believe that came from the word of God? Okay, I'm not lying to you. It came right out of the Bible, even though I'm reading it off an iPad. I copied it from a Bible. It's on here. All right. This is a promise of God, isn't it? Okay. So this is the statement that's being made about God. He, it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Now, I'm going to ask you to repeat something after me. This is kind of a hard exercise. And after you say it, I want you to take just a minute to listen to what your heart says to you when you speak these words out. Now here, let me, before we do the exercise, I'm gonna tell you why I'm doing this. Because so many of us have been taught about the power of confession. We've taught about speaking God's word over our life, over our circumstances. But I'm gonna tell you, I've done it and I've been around people that have done it, that have spewed words out of their mouths or out of my mouth that I knew absolutely I didn't believe a word of what I was saying. I wanted to believe it, I was trying to convince myself or somebody else around me that I believed it, but it was not something that was coming up out of a heart of belief. It was coming out of fear sometimes. Fear that if I didn't say the right thing, that if I didn't agree with God's word, that I didn't confess the word of God, that that meant that I wasn't going to get the promise manifest. And what I want you to do right now is I want you to kind of connect with God on a heart level and listen to your own heart to see 
see what it tells you. So I'm going to ask you, just close your eyes for just a minute, okay? Close your eyes, and I want you to just say this out loud. Just say, I believe God gives me power to get wealth so he can establish his covenant. Now, just wait a minute. Keep your eyes closed. What is the first thought that comes up from your heart? All right, open your eyes. Now, some of you, the first thought that emerged from your heart was, this is true about me. I really do believe God is giving me power to get wealth because I know what he wants to do to establish his covenant, his covenant of peace and love towards you, not just establish his covenant in that he's going to give me wealth so I can be a blessing to somebody else so I can bless the world. That's part of it, establishing God's covenant in the earth. But his covenant towards you is I will bless you exceedingly. So for God to say to you, I'm going to give you power to get wealth, what do you hear? Does your heart believe this is true about you? It told you. If you listen to your heart, whatever emerged at that moment when you say that, when you say a truth, a present tense, positive affirmation of any of the promises in God's word, when you say it, your heart will tell you if you believe it or not. So what happens if I have a negative thought or a negative feeling? What what if my first thought is, yeah, but I don't have a job that's really going to ever make me wealthy. Or I was born into a really poor family and I struggle with, you know, finances. Or you don't know what my bills look like this month. Or I don't know where um, the stuff is going to come from, you know, to pay for what I need to pay for. All those kinds of things. You know what those are? Those are just indications that your heart is not yet fully persuaded that you are who God says that you are and that you have what God says that you have. So what do you do if you think things like, you know, um, I'm not, I don't have enough. I'm not wealthy. You go to God's word and you say, God, I'm going to choose to believe what you say is true about me, but I know my heart is not yet in harmony with you, but I want to bring my heart in harmony. I want to bring the thoughts and intentions of my heart to a place where I can actually conceive of myself being who you say I am so that I can actually believe I can walk in the fullness of everything that you've already said belongs to me. Wealth is ours because of what Jesus has done. Wealth does not only belong to the wealthy. (laughs) You know, we can look at people who have gotten inheritances or, or, you know, have great paying jobs and we can say, yeah, I can imagine them being wealthy someday, but I can't imagine it for me. Well, then that's where your, that's where your problem is. You aren't imagining it. See, meditation on the word of God is where we take something in God's word that may or may not be manifesting in our lives, but we say, this is your truth, and I choose to meditate on it until this becomes my reality. You know, your mind can agree with what Deuteronomy 8.18 says is true about you while your heart is fighting against it. Your heart needs evidence. 
How, what do you mean evidence? Okay, your heart functions from a place of belief, and how it gets to that place of belief is we give our hearts evidence of what we believe to be true about us. Now, on a, on a practical level, I can tell you, you know, this is, this is something that I think we all struggle with. And, you know, from time to time, how many of you have ever had negative symptoms attack your body that say you're not the healed of the Lord? Okay, so sickness and disease tries to attach itself to your body. Well, those symptoms are evidence that's being presented to you that is trying to tell you you are not who God says you are because God says you are the healed of the Lord, right? That is what God's word declares about you. So what do you do when evidence is being presented to you and your heart? I mean, you when evidence is presented to you, especially if it's a physical symptom in your body, your heart now begins to, to look to where you're going to direct it. Your heart says, are we going to lean into the spirit right now? Are we going to draw from our union with God? Your heart says, are you going to listen to what God has to say about you? Or are you going to Google your symptoms? <laughs> because how many of us have done that? And, and if we don't Google it, we call somebody and we talk to them about it. And we say, I've got these symptoms. I've got this rash. I've got this pain. Have you ever had this? And oh, yeah, I've had that. Or I know somebody that had that. And it was this and this and this and this. And so your heart, all the while that you're gathering in this information, says, this is what he wants. This is what she wants because this is what she's looking at. You're giving your heart this evidence. You keep looking at it again and again and again. You keep thinking about it. And so your heart says, okay, she wants this. Let's give her more. Now, what if the first sign of a symptom or the first, you know, moment that you realize that you might be coming up short this month or you didn't get the bonus or the promotion that you thought you'd get or your car broke down or your washing machine quit on you or whatever happens in your life. What if the moment that happened, your heart says, what are we going to do about this? And you said, heart, hold steady because I'm going to give you some evidence to feed you the truth. Hold steady, heart. We're not going that route. I'm not Googling this. I'm not calling anybody. I'm not consulting anybody about this because I'm going to tell you what. This feeling that I have, this emotion that's arising at this news, whether it's the physical symptom or the, the financial challenge or what, this is bringing on negative feelings that do not coincide with who I am in Christ. So guess what, heart? This is not who I am. This does not belong to me. I don't want it. I don't need it. And I'm sending it away. If it's fear, you speak to it. You say, fear, you do not belong to me. You are not a part of my new creation reality. I don't want you. I don't need you. And I'm sending you away. If it's doubt, you're doubting whether or not God will come through this time. You speak to it. You say, doubt. I don't need you. I don't want you. You're not a part of my new creation reality, and I am sending you away. Do you know what your heart does when you do that? It says, yay, we're going to be in harmony now with what God says. Now, that is, that is the process of putting off 
the old man, putting off anything that is not congruent with your new creation reality. But we don't just stop with putting off. Now we renew our mind. We go to God's word. If I'm dealing with fear and I know perfect love casts out all fear, I go meditate on his perfect love for me. If I'm doubting, I say no. Doubt, you don't belong to me. You're not a part of my new creation reality. I don't want you. I don't need you in my life, and I'm sending you away. And God, I'm going to your word, and I'm going to look at the scriptures. I'm going to look up the scriptures on faith. He has given unto me the measure of faith. I have all the faith I need. I'm not trying to get any more. Whatever measure of faith I need for this to bring me from this place where I am today to the place of victory, I've got it all. I look at the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is faith. Holy Spirit, you are the one who lives in me, who convinces me of my righteousness. And part of my righteousness is I have the faith of God. So I'm going to continue to say, I have the faith of God. I have faith to move mountains. I believe in God. And so I'm renewing my mind. Now I go put on Christ. I wear him like a garment. And I say, I am well equipped for this one. This didn't catch me off guard because I'm in union with Christ and I lean into him and, I, and I've now persuaded my heart or I'm in the process. Sometimes it's a process. It's, sometimes it happens like that and that, that feeling, that emotion, that negative thing dissipates and it's gone. Sometimes there's a little bit of a battle in our soul where we are having to renew our mind to the word of God, where we have to continue to put this evidence before our hearts. And there are times where, you know, you'll get the evidence of God's word and then you'll go about and you'll do your stuff and, and the evidence from this natural world shows up again. What do you do? You say, I'm not looking at it. I'm not looking at it. I'm choosing to look at God's word. And if you have to, if you have to get into your heart zone, if you have to connect with God, I'm talking about, you know, and if you, and if you haven't gotten Clint's meditation, you know, just get it, all right? Because he'll, he'll show you how to connect with, you know, Jehovah, your righteousness, because everything that I believe about me in Christ to be true is because he's righteous, and I get his righteousness. So everything else is just comes with the package, all right? But you get into this place of meditation, slow down those brain waves, you know? When you're Googling stuff, your brain waves are going crazy, and you're accepting all of this information that's coming at you, billions of bits, and you're seeing yourself as not being victorious. You'll, you'll see yourself being kicked out on the street, not being able to pay that bill, going to the hospital, going to the doctor, not having that need met. Quit that stuff. Get with Jesus and just quiet your mind down and then say, Father, this is your word. You've spoken it to me. I'm choosing to say, I believe this is true about me right now, but my heart needs to be persuaded. So with this word, which is the information that you've brought in, you say, I'm going to combine this information with an emotion to seal it in my heart. Because that's really how we write things on our heart. We get information, and combined with that information, we have an emotion. And most of the time, this negative stuff, those emotions come like that. You feel it. It's tangible. That fear is tangible. So you can't fight a thought that brings tangible fear with a word that you can't feel. You got to have an emotion to connect with that word. When I'm dealing with fear, sometimes it's fear of the future. 
fear of the unknown, okay? When I have that hit me, I have to connect not just with the word of God's exceeding love towards me. I need to crawl up in daddy's lap. I need to lean into Jesus. I need to say, put your arms around me, Jesus, right now. You are my husband. You are my comforter, Holy Spirit. I want your comfort. I want to feel it. Father, I want to feel your love for me. I want to feel it. I want to experience it. I I was a part of a movement for almost 30 years that taught me, don't be moved by what you feel. We are moved by what we feel. We might as well acknowledge it and then get the right feelings. (laughs) Okay? We're moved by what we feel. You feel fear, you tremble. Your heart starts palpitating. Your hands will sweat. Okay? All those emotions, those negative emotions. Sometimes you fear so much you want to cry. Okay? Well, I want to feel God's love so much that I, I get so overjoyed that even if nobody else is in the room, I start laughing. I feel so much joy. God, you love me so much. Like, this is incredible, right? So how do I do that? I have to, I have to imagine what would I look like right now if I believe that to be true about me? Like, if I'm not experiencing wealth, if there's not abundance in my account, if I'm, if I'm sensing lack, I know what I need to do. I need to go get with God, and I need to imagine what would I feel like right now if I really had power to get wealth and I was tapping into it. Like, what would this single woman look like? A wealthy woman. What would I be doing? How would the quality of my life be different? Well, I wouldn't be sitting there and checking my account every day trying to figure out if I've got enough to pay next month's utility bill. The woman who's living in abundance just says, I know I've got enough in there. So I can put everything on automatic draft. Because I don't have to wait and see two days before it's due what other I'm going to pay for it out of my checking account or put it on another credit card. So that's what lack does. So when I sense that, I know what needs to be done. I know I need to get in the presence of God and experience what would I feel like right now. And when I do that and I see myself wealthy and I see myself with great provision, what happens is then my heart says, well, you know what? It doesn't matter what comes her way. She believes this is what's true about her. Then what happens to us when we bring our hearts in harmony with who God says we are In our heart, we attract to ourselves exactly what we need. We attract it supernaturally, effortlessly. Little story I'll just stick in here. I was preparing for this East Coast trip back, you know, before I left a a week and a half ago. And I was in Arkansas, and I had gotten some inspiration for a sign. And and so at the last minute, I'm printing out stencils and doing new signs and everything. And so the night before I left out for my trip, you know, there I was on my my sun porch with these signs, and I'm banging, (laughs) banging them with my hammer. I was putting the nails in, and wow, I hit, hit my thumb real bad, and it was like, the Lord spoke to me and said, time for you to go to bed. You are getting tired. I'm like, I know, but I need to finish these because, you know, this helps, you know, bring some income in. Now, granted, I still had several signs I wanted to bring with me, okay? 
And so I took that hammer, and one more time, man, I really got this finger. <laughs> so <clears throat> I laid it all down. I just laid it all down, and I walked away, and I said, okay, whatever I've got, I've got. People can order if they want something I don't have, because <laughs> I'm done here, you know. And so one of the things that was in my mind at that time is I thought, God, I would have been done a lot faster on these signs, and I wouldn't have had this, you know, accident on two fingers if I had a nail gun and a compressor, you know. <laughs> so I was thinking, that's probably the next investment I need to make, you know. Just, I mean, I didn't pray and ask him for it. I just thought about it. That was just a fleeting thought. And then I just, you know, came on over here while I was over at uh, Tracy's house this week, and Pop Pop was there, and uh, that's Mike's dad. And so he came over, and we were talking, and he was sharing his life story. <laughs> I sat at the kitchen table for hours <laughs> listening to it, and, but it was so interesting. And it was... Oh, so, well, I was, I was actually enjoying it. <clears throat> he has a very interesting life. Ask him sometime, okay? He'll, he'd love to tell you. But, you know, I mean, I'm not as old as Pop Pop, but I'm, I'm getting up there. And there, there's times I wish people would ask me about my life, you know? And so I thought sometimes the older we get, we're thinking, does anybody care, you know, what I've done or where I've been or whatever? And so as he was telling this, I was just listening every once in a while. He said, I'm sure you have things you need to do. And I was like, no good just keep going you know thinking I've got some signs I need to finish up <laughs> so at any rate we talked for a while and then we you know we dispersed and I went in and I was I was working on gluing some uh some magnets on the back back of the refrigerator magnets that I had you know brought with me and so he came in there and he was admiring all my work and looking at it and he was looking at the nails that were in the sides of the boards and and everything and somehow it just came up about, you know, what well, do you have a compressor and a nail gun? I was like, no, that's probably the next thing I need to invest in. You know, I've got a chop saw, I got a jigsaw, I got a sander, you know. And so he said, um, well, I've got a compressor you can have. <laughs> and I'm like, well, kind of what I'm looking for is not like one of these big compressors because, you know, my late husband had one, and I sold all of his tools. I had no idea I'd be doing this now, you know, so I sold all his stuff. And, and I said, what I'm looking at is one of these little pancake things, you know, a little small one. He goes, well, that's what I have. I was like, really? And he said, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll give it to you. And I was like, wow. And I said, well, you just need to tell me then what kind of nail gun I need to get. He goes, well, I got that too. And I said, well, if you could just tell me then the kind of nails I need to buy. And he goes, I got that too. <laughs> and there I was. And I thought, isn't that wonderful? There's the provision of God. There's something. That, that to me was a manifestation of God giving me power to get wealth. See, because now I can do more in little time. And so that means now that I will make more per sign because my time is worth something. And, you know, my fingers, I need to... <laughs> I mean, it's so attractive when you go on the road and you got great big blood blisters on your fingers. But anyways, um, but that's what happens when we begin to persuade our heart of the truth of who we are. Things happen for us effortlessly. We draw to ourselves what we need. And it's effortless. I mean, it's not like I had this list that I had laid down. All right, God, next thing I want you to give me, ba-boom, 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 right? 
I mean, I really don't even think I knew I needed that until now. <laughs> Manifestation, right? So how do you go about persuading your heart? Okay, so let me add this one. In Mark 4.24 in the Amplified Bible, Jesus was talking and he said, be careful what you're hearing. Church, we need to be careful what we hear. Be careful what you Google. Be careful the people that you share things with. I'm not saying you can't be transparent and honest with somebody when you're struggling. But if you're going to be that way, tell the person that you're talking to, listen, I know that God's word says this, but right now my body is saying this or my finances are saying this, and I want you to agree with me that I can get my heart in alignment with what God says that I can persuade my heart of the truth of who I am. Because he said this, he said, the measure of thought and study that you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. And more besides will be given to you who hear. So first of all, what you hear is important. But it's not just what you hear, because guess what? It's the measure of thought and study that you give to the truth that determines what you get out of it. You know, you've got, you've got a, a pastor who is a student of God's word. He studies the word of God. And then he presents it to you in such a way that helps you understand how to practically apply this word to your life. But do you know that you also need to give thought and study to the word that you're hearing? We can't just rely on somebody else to do all the studying for us. We need to get into God's word and we need to say, Holy Spirit, I need you to show me this truth. I need you to show me this is who I am. Because we can believe in you, but I need you to believe in you. God believes in you, but he needs you to believe in you. That you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So, you know, if you're facing any kind of external circumstances trying to tell you that you are not who God says that you are, you need to get to the place where you will acknowledge that to God and say, you know what, God, this is what your word says, but I know I'm not at the place of believing, but I want to be. So help me. Help me persuade my heart. Give me the scriptures that I need that will help me solidify this in my own life. And then spend that time meditating on those scriptures. If it's, if it's healing that you need in your physical body, imagine what you would be like without that pain. Imagine what you could do without that pain. Imagine how you could function, the quality of your life, how it would be different if this was not a part of you. Because in God's reality, it doesn't belong to you, so you might as well send it away. Okay? If there are, if there are things that are happening in relationships in your life and you said, God, this is not how it should be. We should be walking in harmony in this family or whatever it is. You, you go to God and you say, show me your word. Help me to experience the abundant life in this area. And he will always do it. I mean, he will always give you what you want. I was sharing with the ladies the other day, you know, that when my family was going through the loss of, you know, my husband, I mean, I was grieving the, the loss of my, you know, husband of 26 years and all my kids were grieving the loss of their father, but we were all grieving differently. Do you understand that? And so, you know, how they 
they process and how I process were completely different ways. And so it brought some real, um, uh, you know, tension in our family. And it was very difficult for us for, for many years to relate. But, you know, somebody one day gave me a promise to stand on in Proverbs 31, 28, that her children will rise up and call her blessed. And because of some of the things that, that I was struggling with and how I was trying to function as a single woman who had been married for so many years. I mean, I made decisions that they didn't always like. And there were things that, you know, I did out of my dysfunction and out of my feeling of lack that didn't contribute to our family's happiness. But here's what I did. In the face of all the adverse evidence that was being given to me from my external world that says, your family is just a mess. Over on this side, the spirit side, God was saying to me, this is my word. This is what's true about you in Christ. Your children rise up and call you blessed. And I chose to give my heart evidence of the truth and to turn my face away from everything that was saying something negative to what God said. And today, I'm living in God's reality. Amen. Amen. I've possessed the promise through persuading my heart, I had to imagine, what would it be like? What, what would it really be like to have my children rise up and call me blessed? I wrote plays in my own mind. I imagined them saying wonderful things about me, okay? I had to do that because my heart needed evidence. And finally, after a while, my heart said, this is who you are, and this is what you believe about yourself. So guess what? This is what you're going to get. And so I drew it unto myself. Can you say Amen whatever that you spend the most time thinking about, feeding about, or whatever, that's what your heart believes that you want the most. So, you know, we're always being presented with the truth of God's word, and we're always being presented with facts that want to refute it. And in your heart, that's where, that's where you're going to decide which way am I going. Am I going to lean into the spirit side and agree with God, or am I going to go over here and allow my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions, everything I'm bringing in from this external world to dictate to me how I'm going to live? I don't know about you, but I don't want to live that way. I don't want to live the way that the world tells me I have to live. I don't want to accept what the world says we have to accept. Sometimes the doctor will tell you something, and they'll say, we've done all we can do, and there's nothing more we can do. Well, how many of you know that God's bigger than the doctor? Okay, I mean, there's times that, you know, you may want to do something financially and the banker will say, I'm sorry, you can't do it. I can't loan you the money. You don't qualify, whatever. How many of you know God's bigger than the banker? I mean, it doesn't matter what you're facing. God's bigger <laughs> and he wants us to tap into the bigness of him. He wants us to accept the goodness of him, because again, back to, you know, what we what we heard this morning in the worship. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. He's a good father. And guess what? He wants each one of his children to experience that goodness. And it doesn't happen automatically. You know, I could, I could come home. I could go home to Arkansas after this road trip, and I could, I could plan an elaborate dinner for my, my four girls that lived there. And I could say, hey, guys, I've got a feast laid out. And I bought you all presents, and I want you to all come to my house for dinner, and I just want to shower you with some blessings. Well, do you know what? If two of my daughters showed up at my house and the other two decided that they were too busy or maybe they didn't really believe I was going to do what I, was, what I said I was going to do, guess who would experience the blessings of my love? The two that showed up. 
Now, would that mean that I love the other two any less? Did it, would that be an indication that they weren't worthy? No. But it would be an indication that they're not going to experience the fullness of what I have to offer because they didn't come and receive. That's all God's looking for. He's looking for good receivers. I don't know about you, but I want to be a good receiver. I'm not working anymore to try to be good to get God to do something for me. He's already done it all. Amen? I'm just looking to be a good receiver. I want to grab it, lay hold of it, and bring it to myself. If it's healing, I want to grab it and hold it and bring it to myself. If it's prosperity, I want to grab it and hold it and bring it to myself. If it's restoration in a relationship, I want to grab it and hold it and bring it to myself. If it's wisdom to know how to, how to function in life, if it's, if it's knowledge to know how to explain God's word, I want to grab it, I want to hold it, I want to bring it to myself. That is all God's looking for us to do. Can you do that today? Can you, can you just kind of make a, a, a decision today that you want to be a good receiver? Part of being a good receiver is being willing to persuade your heart of the truth of who God says you are in the face of all these adverse circumstances that want to tell you that you're not or that you can't do it or that it's just too difficult. All those are lies, and we don't have to receive them. Amen? Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for speaking it so clearly to us. I thank you for giving us just such revelation of who you are and how good you are and, and how you've already provided for us everything that we will ever need in Christ Jesus because all of the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. And we just want to lay hold of those promises. So, Father, from this point on and, and, and into our future, we, just, we, we are determining in our hearts to be sensitive to you and to your voice. And when you call us and you woo us to, to come and to sit in your lap or to spend time in your presence, that we'll stay a while. We'll stay a while. That we'll, we'll grab hold of it and we'll bring it to ourselves so we can experience it. And I thank you, Father, for doing that in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Did you get something out of that today? Yeah. All right. Praise God.